This stuff is Pevav in Yoma. We're going to start on Pehei Amudbet at the Mishnah, uh, which is about the center of the page. Mishnah says, Chatat ve'asham vadai, Echatat anasham vadai mechaprin. They provide atonement. Anasham vadai is for certain specific sins. A chatat we're already familiar with. Mitav yom kippurim mechaprin imachuvah. Death and Yom Kippur provide atonement as long as they are accompanied by Teshuvah, by repentance. Teshuvah mechaperet ala verot kalot ala sever lotase. Repentance provides atonement for sins that are light on positive and negative commandments. Ala chamorot hu tole. But when it comes to, or should say he tola probably, uh, but when it comes to stringent uh, averot, averot that are very serious, it only holds off punishment until Yom Kippur comes and that then the atonement is completed. A person who says, I will sin and then I will do Teshuvah, I will sin and I will do Teshuvah. He is not given the opportunity to do Teshuvah. If a person says, I'm going to sin and then Yom Kippur will cover for it. Um, Yom Kippur does not work for him. Sins that are between a person and Hashem, Yom Kippur covers for them and gives atonement. But but sins that are between people, if you have a sin committed against another person, then you do not receive atonement until you placate, until you appease that person. It says, from all of your sins before Hashem, you will be purified. And literally what that means is, that you'll be purified from all of your sins before Hashem. But the Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah is making a dosha that it means mikol chatotechem lefnei Hashem from all of your sins before Hashem, meaning the ones that are between you and Hashem. Tetaro, you will be purified. Sins that are between a person and Hashem, Yom Kippur atones for. But but sins that are between a person and another person, uh, Yom Kippur cannot help you until you appease the person. Whom you offended. I'm Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said a very famous line: "Ashrechem Yisrael, fortunate are you, Israel, if before whom you purify yourselves. Umi metayeretchem, and who purifies you? Avichem shebeshemayim, your Father in heaven. Shenemar vazaraktielechemayim torim botartem. I will throw upon you pure waters, and you will become pure. The Omer, and it's also written: Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Literally, that means that the hope of, her, of of the Jewish people is Hashem, but it's being interpreted here as a mikveh, a purifying water. Just like a mikveh purifies uh, those who are uh, who are um, impure, so too does Hashem purify the Jewish people. Now the Gemara says, Hashem Hashem the, the Mishnah says that a definite Hashem provides kapara, provides atonement, but not a doubtful Hashem. So the question is, Vaha Kapakitiva Bay, don't we don't we read in the Torah that even a doubtful Asham provides some kind of a kapara? It's written in the Torah that uh that uh that from offering the Asham Talui there is atonement. Now we know that an Asham Talui is generally brought for uh, in a case where a person has done an action that they don't know if they committed a sin that would require a korban chatat or not. If they find out that they actually did commit the sin, then they have to go back and bring a korban chatat anyway. But if they did not, if they never find out, then the Hashem Talui is all they've got. So, so it seems like it's a kampara, but the Gemara says that uh, that a chatat and a shamvadai, where you, it's one and done. You bring the korban and you're finished. So there... There's nothing more to say, but at Nasham Talui, since it's only a 
partial kapara because if you discover that you actually committed the sin, you'd have to bring another korban. Uh, it's not a complete kapara. Inami alternatively, hanach enacher mechaper kaparatan. Hashem taloi acher mechaper kaparatan. Another possibility for why our Mishnah only mentions a chatat and Hashem vaday and not an Hashem taloi is because a chatat and Hashem vaday can o- are the only vehicles of their form of atonement. But an Hashem taloi can be covered for another way. Ditnan, as we learned in the Mishnah, chayve chatot vashemot vadayin shavar lehin yom kipurim chayvin ashemot tluyin pturin. If a person is obligated in bringing a korban chatat because he violated Shabbat or it chelev or did any of the other sins that require a korban chatat, then even if Yom Kippur passed already, since he had the obligation to bring a korban chatat, he has to bring it. Same with Hasham Vadai. Any of the sins that require an Hasham Vadai, if Yom Kippur passed, he still has to bring it. But Hasham Talui, if he had an obligation to bring an Hasham Talui because of a doubt and Yom Kippur passed in between before he had the opportunity to bring the Hasham Talui, he doesn't have to then go back and bring the Hasham Talui. So therefore, it's not indispensable to his kapara in the way that a chatat and Hasham normally would be. Death and Yom Kippur provide atonement if you do Teshuvah. This seems to contradict what Rabbi said because the implication is that it only, you only, Yom Kippur only provides atonement if there's Teshuvah, if there's repentance. But Rabbi didn't say that. That contradicts Rabbi. That Rabbi had said that Yom Kippur provides kapara for all sins, even if the person didn't do teshuvah, as long as they are not porek ol, as long as it's not a person who rejects the kingship of Hashem, meaning a person who rejects God, like atheist or something like that, um, or a person who uh, is megale panim bator, who mocks the Torah, or who doesn't have a brit milah. In other words, anybody who's a member, basically, of the Jewish people and believes in the Torah, believes in Hashem, gets kapara from Yom Kippur, um, and uh, even if he didn't do teshuvah for the particular sin that he wants kapara for. So the uh, so so that seems to contradict what we're saying here because our Mishnah is saying that Yom Kippur only works with uh, Teshuvah. So it says, you know what? True. Um, so right. So this is Shema said Teshuvah Yom Kippur Mechaber. Vim Lo said Teshuvah in Yom Kippur Mechaber. In other words, Rabbi says the only time you need Teshuvah is if you failed in terms of your belief in God or your belief in respect for Torah or in having a Brit Milah. Every other thing you don't need Teshuvah to get Kapar on Yom Kippur, right? So the uh, so Gemara answers that no. Um, that uh, our Mishnah could fit with Rabbi because that what our Mishnah means is that Teshuvah is not sufficient without Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, according to Rabbi, could be sufficient without Teshuvah, but Teshuvah on its own without Yom Kippur would not be sufficient. That's why it says that Yom Kippur is Mechaper with Teshuvah. Now, the point is that according to Rabbi, as I mentioned in the Shi'ur that we had live, um, when we did this part, according to Rabbi, the, the kapara of Yom Kippur is a communal kapara. It's a national kapara. So as long as you are a mention, member of the Jewish people, you get the kapara, the, regardless of your individual situation. But as the Tosfot Yishani mentions, um, that doesn't mean a complete kapara. In other words, it doesn't mean that you're totally off the hook as an individual. It just means that the, the kapara that is provided on Yom Kippur is a communal national one and therefore isn't related to your specific Teshuvah, whether you did it or not. But your own personal relationship with Hashem, of course, is related to that very much. Now, the Gemara goes on, Teshuvah mechaperot ala verot kalot ala sevelot valotas. It says that uh, that Teshuvah provides atonement for 
light sins, whether they're positive or negative. So hashta If we know that the teshuvah it provides atonement for for negative commandments, meaning for violations. So certainly for the uh, for the failure to perform positive mitzvot, it should provide kapara. What's the chidush? Okay, that our Mishnah is not saying that on a lotase teshuvah is mechaperet, that teshuvah actually atones for the, the commission of sins. It's talking about two kinds of mitzvot asay. It's talking about a mitzvot asay, which is you just failed to sit in the sukkah, you failed to um, eat matzan pesach, or a lavanitak lasay, something where you committed a sin which could be rectified through a positive action, like you stole, you could return the money, uh, you took the mother bird with the young, you could send her away, and so on. In those cases, really what you failed to do is a mitzvah asay, and that's why um, teshuvah could be a uh, cover for it, because there's a mitzvah asay component. So Gemara asks, lot asay, gemur, lo. is it really true that a lot asay, it doesn't, uh, teshuvah does not help with a lot asay? Uraminu, we raise an objection. Elohim kalot asevelotase chutz milotisa. It says in the Brayta that all uh, that negative commandments uh, are covered by by teshuvah. Um, kalot, meaning light commandments that are covered by teshuvah, include negative commandments like eating pork or things like that. Chutz milotisa, except for taking Hashem's name in vain, because the pasuk says lo yinake. Is the assumption because it says in the Aseret that they brought in the Ten Commandments that there's no forgiveness for somebody who does that, so that's very strict. But any other lotase could be covered by tshuva alone, right? So the Gemara answers lotisa v'chol didamele. No, it means lotisa and anything similar to it. Meaning the only thing that's considered a light sin is a sin that could be corrected by mitzvat asay, and you didn't do the mitzvat asay to correct it. So therefore, what you really did was you neglected to do a positive mitzvah, and that's why you're allowed to uh, fix it by teshuvah alone. But an actual lotase would not be fixed by teshuvah alone, um, just like a false oath would not be. Tashma, come and listen to the following. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, kol shuhu milotisa ulemata Anything less than lotisa, less than taking Hashem's name in vain in a false oath, Anything worse than taking Hashem's name in a false oath. Teshuvah is not enough. You need also Yom Kippur. So again, you see from that that lot, a regular lotasel, regular negative commandment, Teshuvah alone should be enough. Only things that are false oaths and even worse than that are included in the things that require Yom Kippur. Gemara again says, Lotisa It means lotisa and anything similar to it. In other words, anything which is a lotase, which is a negative commandment, is in the same category. It's a negative commandment that stands on its own. It requires both teshuvah and yom kippur. Just teshuvah is not enough. Since it says bachorev, it says after the sin of egel azav, it mentions teshuvah and it mentions the cleaning from sin, the forgiveness of sin. You might think that lotisa, that taking Hashem's name in a false oath, would also be cleansed by teshuvah alone. And oh, we'll explain more of this later. Okay, Talmud Lomar, lo yinake. It says lo yinake. He doesn't forgive. Yachol, because it says nake lo yinake. And the, when we read the um, when we read the Yud Yom Rachamim, the thirteen uh, attributes of mercy. We just read vinake. We don't read the next part, which is lo yinake. He he clen- cleanses and he doesn't cleanse. So meaning that there are certain things that are not going to be cleansed, such as taking Hashem's name in a false oath. Yachol afshal chayav lavinkin talmud lomar et shemo. 
That's why you might think that all negative commandments are the same, that they cannot be cleansed by tshuva alone. That's why it has to tell you, et shemo, his name. That Hashem forgives just with tshuva alone every other sin, but not the taking of his name in a false oath. That's the only case where Hashem would not forgive. Tana'i, it's actually, this whole thing is a machloket tana'im, because we saw above that it seemed like only a positive mitzvah or a negative mitzvah that could be rectified by a positive mitzvah and the person didn't do it, didn't rectify it. Those are the only cases where tshuva fixes it. Here in this bright, that sounds like Anything which is a, even a negative commandment, as long as it's not taking Hashem's name in a false oath, Tshuva can fix it alone. So the answer is Tanae. It's actually a machloket Tanaim about the subject that the Tanaim will interpret. What does Tshuva cover for? That the Tanakama here says that what is considered to what does Tshuva cover for alone? What does it atone for on its own? The failure to do a positive mitzvah or when you did a negative, you committed a negative commandment, but it could have been fixed by a positive mitzvah, and you didn't do that. On what does tshuva just hold back the punishment? And Yom Kippur finishes the kapara. That is al mitot That is on any sin that involves karet or would be a capital sin, a capital punishment sin, or alotasegamor. Any negative commandment that you did that it stands alone, meaning that isn't fixable by a an assay. So a person ate pork. A person ate. Uh, a person uh, um, violated Yom Tov, any of these things that are lotase, but are not with karet or mitat bedin. Also, tshuva alone is not enough. You need Yom Kippur as well, according to this brighta. So we have uh, one view, one view that is um, that is supported by our Mishnah that lot that uh, that only a positive mitzvah or a le- a negative commandment that is linked to a positive mitzvah um, requires. Uh, uh, requires um, tshuva alone, and that this brayta here that the Gemara just quoted also says that the uh, that that's the only thing where tshuva alone will be good. Any full negative commandment, you'll need Yom Kippur. And then we have the other bright, the prior to this, that said that no, a regular negative commandment, as long as it's not taking Hashem's name in vain, in a false oath, would uh, would be fixed by Tshuva alone. So it's a machloket. Amar more the message of the vision, Amar b'chorei v'nakei. It should say Tshuva and v'nakei. Right? Minalan, what is this talking about? What's the, uh, what's the, what's the idea here that Tshuva uh, is enough for the cleansing to happen. Detanya, as it says in the Brayta, Rabbi Elazar Omer, The question is, how can the pasuk say nake lo yinake that Hashem cleanses and doesn't cleanse? Which is true. What it means is that if you did tshuva, Hashem cleanses it, and if not, then He doesn't. So that's what it's saying. It's all dependent on tshuva, and that's what Hashem was telling Moshe about the Egel Azahab. Shal Rabbi Matya ben Charash at Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah beRomi. One time, Rabbi Matya ben Charash asked Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah in Rome, Shamati or Shamat. He asked them, Arba kapara? Have you heard of the four different categories of atonement? That Rabbi Shmuel used to say over. Amar, he said to him back, and it should really say, um, according to this, Amar lo. He said to him, no, shloshahin. There's really only three uchuva im kolechad vechad, but tishuva accompanies each and every one of them. Here's the breakdown. Avar lasei v'shav. If a person violated a positive commandment, he didn't put on tefillin one day. He uh, he didn't eat matzah pesach. Enozaz misham at shemuchalin. Though as soon as he does tishuva, he realizes he made a mistake. They forgive him. Shenemar shuvu banim shavavim because it says wayward children return. 
And right after it says wayward children return, it says, I'm going to heal your waywardness. In other words, it's instant. If a person violated a negative commandment, he ate non-kosher meat, and then he did shuvah, shuvah, tolav, yom kippur, mechaper. The shuvah will hold the punishment from happening. You should do shuvah right away, but yom kippur finishes the atonement. Right, that's what it means, that this day is going to atone for all of your sins. And if a person violated sins that incur karit, the uh, heavenly excision, or the loss of Olam Haba, or mitod bedin, or they involve uh, the, their capital crimes, and he did shuvah, even Yom Kippur is not enough. Shuvah will hold back the punishment, Yom Kippur will hold back the punishment, and it's only suffering that completes the process. And this was something that the previous bright didn't say, because the previous two bright taught implied that Yom Kippur should be enough for this kind of sin. But now we're saying, no, we need suffering. It says, I will visit their sin with a rod, meaning with a punishment, a physical punishment, and with plagues their sin. So therefore you see that there are three levels. There is the Teshuvah on its own. Then there is uh, then there is Yom Kippurim that covers for regular regular negative commandments. Then there's Yom Kippur plus uh, plus uh, physical suffering, which is for uh, negative commandments that involve Karet and Mitot Bet Din. And then finally we have um, we have and, and all of these. In, in other words, tshuva on its own obviously involves tshuva, and then uh, the Yom Kippur involves tshuva, and Yom Kippur plus Yisurin also requires tshuva. And then aval chilul Hashem biyado, a person who has chilul Hashem in his hand, there's no way that he can be cleansed, not with tshuva, not with Yom Kippur, and not with suffering. All of these hold back the punishment, and it's only cleansed. When he dies, as it says in the pasuk, that uh, it is is revealed in the ears of Hashem what you're saying. If this sin will be atoned for you, until you die. So that's a pasuk where the people were doing, th- were saying things, actually expressing sentiments that were a major chilul Hashem, desecration of God's name, and therefore the pasuk says that it won't be atoned until they die. So these are the four chilukei kapar. There's tshuva, tshuva plus yom kippur, tshuva plus yom kippur plus yisurin. Plus suffering, and then you have the death as a kapara. So the fir- the three latter cases all require teshuva in addition, and that's what Rabbi Ishmael was uh, was really answering. Uh, that that was what rather Rabbi Elazar was really answering. That it's actually three things. There's teshuva, and then there's three other things. Uh, cases of um, of kapara. In any case, then the question is: What's considered chilul Hashem? If I take meat from the butcher and I don't pay right away, in other words, any, if a tamir chacham does something that casts dispersions on himself and on the Torah. Um, in the way that Rashi interprets Kilul Hashem in all of these cases, that it means that other people will learn to uh, not take monetary obligations seriously. So uh, then it, that's a Kilul Hashem. That's only in a, in a city where they don't expect that you're going to be sent a bill, basically, that they're going to come collect. But if it's in place where you basically buy on credit and they come and collect from you later, that's, then it's okay to do that. That's a normal way to do it. It doesn't mean anything wrong. And, uh, and Ravina said in Matamachasya, his city, that was what they did. They had a system where you would take on credit and they would come collect from you, so it was okay not to pay up front. When Abaye would take meat, he would take from Two partners that own the butcher shop. He would first give half the money to one and half the money to the other, and then and then he would bring them together. Show 
that he had the right calculation. In other words, if he paid only one, the other one might think he never paid because he wouldn't have seen him pay. So therefore he paid both of them and had them come together to see that he paid the right amount. Rabbi Yochanan said, if somebody like myself would walk four amot without Torah tefillin, that people would see me, um, uh, they would think, oh, it's okay to uh, not be learning constantly and not be wearing tefillin constantly because they would say, even Rabbi Yochanan did it, that would be a chilul Hashem. So therefore I have to be very careful about that. Anybody who is friends are embarrassed to be friends with him because of his bad reputation. That's a chilul Hashem. Like if people say about a certain person, oh, may God forgive this person, meaning that they're embarrassed of his behavior. That what it means to be to do kiddush Hashem to sanctify God's name is fulfilled fulfilling the pasuk. You should love Hashem, which means that the name of Hashem should be cause you should cause people to love Hashem through you. Which means you should learn, you should read Tanakh, you should learn Mishnah, you should study with Tamadech Chachamim to learn the ways of the Gemara and learn the ways of Torah Shabbat. And your interaction with people should be pleasant and kind and soft, not yelling and screaming. And Rashi also, the Bach adds, his dealing should be with truth, with honesty. And then, and his speech should be sweet and kind and gentle with people. What will people say about him? How happy, fortunate is the man who this is his son. In other words, fortunate is the father of this person that taught him how to be a good person. Fortunate is teacher. And woe is to the people who learn Torah, who, who don't learn Torah, meaning what a gift it is to know Torah because this person has such class and he's such a good person. This person who learned to look how fine his ways are. How proper his behavior. It's famous pasuk that the Navi says uh, in Yeshayahu says, Israel, you are my servant through which I am glorified. In other words, our, if we really love Hashem, we want to bring others to love Hashem by behaving in a way that causes people to be so impressed and praising us and wanting to be closer to Hashem themselves because they see what a difference it makes. But if a person studies Torah, he reads, and he learns Mishnah, and he learns Gemara, and he, and he isn't ethical in his business, and he doesn't speak nicely to people, what will people say about him? Woe is to this person who learned Torah. Woe is to the father who taught him Torah. Woe is to the teacher who taught him Torah. Look at this person who learned Torah, how messed up his behavior is. How ugly his ways are. Like it says in the Pasuk, that people are going to say about us that this is the people of Hashem, and they were kicked out of his land. In other words, that now this is another piece here, another element that Rashi introduces into the idea of Chilul Hashem. That not only is it that people are going to say, that uh, that people are going to say, oh, have a negative attitude towards Torah and towards Hashem, but also that they're going to say, look, Hashem supposedly has a relationship with these people, but they're getting punished. And a person who's an outsider is going to say they're getting punished unjustly because they're the Jewish people, and they're not going to, and they're going to see that Hashem is, you know, kicked them out of the land, that they were kicked out of the land, they were exiled out of the land, and say, oh, I guess Hashem couldn't protect them. But really the reason is because they weren't fulfilling the Torah, but people won't know that. They're going to think that Hashem wasn't protecting them, and that's the Chilul Hashem that's going to come along at 
people are going to think that Hashem dealt unfairly or was unable to protect and fulfill um, his promises to them. So that's another level of Chilul Hashem. I'm Rabbi Chavar Hanina. Gedolat Tshuva Shemivi'ah Refu'od La'olam. That Tshuva is great, that it brings healing to the world. It should say Refu'ah La'olam according to the Bach. It brings healing to the world. It says that Hashem said that I'm going to heal Meshuvatam. I'm going to heal their waywardness. So it brings healing. I'm going to love them freely. Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina showed a contradiction to two Pesukim. Ketiv Shuvabanim Shovavim, Demikar Shovavim, Atem. Uchtiv Erpa Meshuvotechem. First it says uh, that uh, come back uh, uh, wayward children, meaning that. Uh, even that once you do tshuva, it's like as if what you did before was nothing. What you did before was just shov, was just being a shovev, a shovav. It was just being narutu shtut, Rashi says it, shovevut, just being childish, just being silly. But then it says, I'm going to heal your waywardness, which implies that even after you return, it's not that everything was just wiped away, it was silly. No, it has an effect and I have to heal it now. So what is it? Is it just silliness that I put behind me as soon as I do tshuva? Or is it something that Hashem still has to heal? It has a permanent effect, which is it? Depends. If a person does tshuva out of ahava, he loves Hashem. Then his whole sin is uprooted because he completely changes value system. He loves Hashem. But if the person does it out of fear, so that means that he's afraid of the consequences of his behavior. He's afraid of the outcome that it's going to lead to. And therefore, he is doing tshuva. Still, there's a certain like self-focus to it because he's still worried about his own lot, his own fate. And therefore, it's not a complete healing, a complete overhaul of the personality. And now it says, Rav Yehuda, and according to... Um, According to uh, according to the Bach on the side, it should say Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav Ami, right? Oh no, I'm sorry, Amar Rav Yehuda, Rav Ami, Rami, Rav Ami showed a contradiction between two pesukim. Ketiv Shuvu Banim Shavavim Rabam Shavotechem. We just saw that pasuk. Return wayward children, I will heal your waywardness. Uchtiv, and it says, and um, the correct pasuk should be Ki Anochi Ba. Now it's talking about the redemption of the Jewish people, and it says, "I have been your husband." I have meaning I have taken you. You are my servants, and uh, I have taken you one from a city and two from a family. And Rashi says the implication is that it's not banim, but it is avadim. It's like slaves. I've become your owner. So it's saying slaves. Hashem has taken us as slaves, as servants. It depends what kind of tshuva it is. If the tshuva is done from Ahava or Yir'ah, that the person from his own volition either came into a, a understanding and love of Hashem and desire to be close to Hashem, and that was what inspired his tshuva, or it's Yir'ah, that he genuinely realizes that he has obligations and that there are consequences to his behavior, and he does tshuva because of that. Both of those are coming from within. Okay, so there he's considered bani, but he's considered a child. But when it comes to a yisurin, when it requires suffering and pain, and only that is what dissuades the person from his sinful ways, there we say that uh, that it's baalti, that it's like being avadim, it's like being slaves who have to be disciplined in order to follow the proper path. Now, Amar Rabbi Levi said, "Tshuva is great that it reaches all the way up to the." Um, throne of glory of Hashem. It says, return, return, 
unto Hashem, your God, meaning you return all the way to Hashem. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, and according to that, it should say, Rabbi Yochanan Amar. Oh, he has a whole different, uh, whole different breakdown of the way the Gemara should appear. Um, and the way that the order should be presented to us. Uh... Okay, we're just going to go with what's in front of us because it's too complicated. Tshuva is great because it reverses a negative commandment in the Torah. Meaning what? Because um, it says in the Pasuk that's comparing Hashem's relationship to us to, to a relationship of marriage. It says, Lemor hen yishalach ish et ishto velcha me'ito v'aita le'ish acher hayashuv eleha ot that Hashem says that even though the rule is that if a wife leaves her husband and has a relationship with another man, she cannot return to him, to the original husband, because it will defile the land. And yet Hashem says, even though you have been unfaithful to me and you've been with other gods, come back to me. So you see that a, a commandment of the Torah is being overridden. I'm Rabbi and what should it say? Not Shemikarevit, but according to the side, should say Shemivi'ah. That Chuva brings the redemption. We read that every day. It says that a redeemer will come to Zion and to those who return from sin. What brings the redeemer to Zion? Mishum, the Shave Pesha Biakov, because <coughs> the Jewish people returned from their sin. Tshuva is great because it transforms willful, intentional sins into mistakes. Kashalta means to fall over accidentally. Avon is intentional. Avon usually means on purpose. And yet it's saying he tripped over it. Meaning that now that he's done Tshuva, what he did on purpose before, he now sees as a mistake. Didn't Lakish say on another occasion that actually even the willful sins you did become zuchuyot, they become merits to you. It says that if the person returns from doing uh, evil and uh, and he begins to do what's right, he will live on them. Meaning, even on the sins that he did, they become a source of life to him because they become a zuchut. So you see from that that um, uh, it, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped the part. So it says, Lakashe, not a problem. Kan me'ava, kan depends. If the person did tshuva from ahava, that he, he changes his whole value system, he begins to love Hashem, so then even what he did wrong before becomes a zechut, because now it becomes a way for him to understand better and improve himself, perfect himself more, so it becomes a strength. But if he does it, mi'ira, only out of fear, so true that he no longer sees what he did before uh, it's like a person who uh, before was using drugs or was using was smoking, and now they stopped. Why did they stop? Because they don't want to get cancer. Or they don't want to go to jail for using drugs. Okay, that's miyura. Okay, that's a good choice. Yeah, that, but he but he's doing it because he's protecting himself. He realizes he made a mistake. What he was doing before it was a dangerous thing, and it had bad consequences. That's different than someone who stops doing those things because now he become begins to love Hashem, and he doesn't want to do those things anymore. Totally different attitude. Now the things that he did in the past are illustrations to him of the wrong path, and uh, strengthen his resolve to go on the right path. So they become zechuyot. Chuva lengthens the years of a person. And we said before it says, 
he lives as a result of doing tshuva, meaning he gets a longer life. Rabbi Yitzchak said that they said in the West, in Israel, in the name of Rabbi the way of Hashem is not like the way of flesh and blood, because if you offend somebody with your words, maybe he will forgive you, maybe he won't. And even if he's willing to be appeased, maybe words alone will be enough. Maybe he'll require more than that. But if a, when it comes to Hashem, if a person does a sin in, in private, even if you go to him with words, it's enough. It says, bring with yourselves, take for yourselves words and return to Hashem. That's enough. Your different words, your different plan, your vision of life, your tefillah is enough. Not only that, but Hashem considers it a, a positive for him because it says because it says you should take good meaning Hashem sees it as good what you've done that you've grown in this way not only that but he's considered like he brought a korban just from saying these words of contrition and it says that our lips will take the place of bulls in other words it's as if we gave a korban so it transforms the whole experience into something positive and you could say that in a way this is showing you that when it comes when it comes to another person, another person has their own ego and their own agenda. They've been offended and they have something against us. When it comes to Hashem, Hashem is only concerned about our perfection. He doesn't take offense. He's not affected or impacted by our bad behavior. So he sees our development, any step in our development as a positive. Shema Tomar Parechova, maybe he'll say that it means an obligatory korban. We're considered to have brought an obligatory korban by, by saying these words of contrition and these tefilot and the vidui and the, the confession. Hashem says, I will heal their waywardness and I will love them nidava as a free gift, meaning that it's as if they're bringing nidavot, not something that they have to bring, but something of their own free will. Tanya, it says, Nebraita, and at the bottom it says that it should say, uh, Amar Morzutra Bartovi that's it's in it, that's the name that it's in in the Brita. Here we have Haya Rabbi Meir. Omer. Haya Rabbi Meir Omer is what we have in front of us. Gedola Tshuva Shebeshvili Yachid Shasat Tshuva Mochalin That because of the, the Tshuva is great because one person Tshuva can save the entire world. The entire world could be forgiven for the Tshuva of one person. Because it says I'll heal their waywardness, but Oavim Nedava, and I will love them freely. It says, because my anger is turned away from him. It doesn't say from them, but from him, meaning just one person doing a really fundamental tshuva can change the world. What's considered a real bad tshuva? Somebody who's really repented. It's like if a person, the, the, the sin came to his hands another time. In other words, um, that uh, that he had additional tests of the same sin, opportunities to do the same sin, and he resisted. That's the sign of a true Baal Teshuvah, somebody who has really, uh, really repented. Um, in other words, the thing that he did the first time wrong, he had the opportunity to do it again, and the second time he, uh, he, he resisted. He, he didn't do it. Right, so Machaver Rav Yehuda, Bota Isha, Rav Yehuda said that's only talking about if it's the same woman, Bota Perek, Bota Makom, and at the same stage of life and the same 
uh, and the same place. In other words, the same situation, literally, that he's at the same age, it's in the same sort of circumstance, same woman that he was in love with and he committed a sin before. He's giving an example of a woman, but it could be any sin. In other words, everything is the same. Not that now he's too old anyway to chase after the woman, so he doesn't do it, or other circumstances have changed. He's in a different situation, he's in a different position, he's in a different location. Any of those things would mean that maybe they mitigated his temptation. What it means is if he's in the same situation of temptation and the same circumstances, that is the real test to see if he's about to shuva or not. I'm Rabbi Yudah. Rav Yudah said, Rav, Rami, Rav raised an objection or showed a contradiction between two psukim kitiv, ashrei nesui pesha, kisui chata'a. It says, fortunate is the person whose sin has been forgiven, who hides, whose sin is hidden. But it also says that a person who hides his sins will not succeed. So what is it? Is a person whose sin is hidden happy or is a person whose sin is hidden not going to succeed? It depends. If it's something that he did that was well known, that was public, so then in order to do a full teshuvah, it's good for him that he has to go and he has to... uh, Confess his sin in front of everyone, um, in order for it to be a um, in order for it to be a, a real confession, a genuine confession. He has to do it in front of everyone because it wouldn't be a uh, complete teshuvah since it was a known thing, an open thing. He needs to be embarrassed and humble himself in front of the public for what he did in public. But if it's a chetchenom for some, it's between him and Hashem. So then he shouldn't go and tell everybody. It's between him and Hashem. And it actually, in a way, diminishes the kavod shamayim. It diminishes the honor to God by bragging about something bad that he did. Rav Zutra Bartovia Amar Rav Nachman Rav Zutra Bartovia said that Rav Nachman said Kan Baferot Sheben Adam Chaverot depends if it's something a person did between himself and another person so then he should come and make it public but Kan Baferot Sheben Adam Makom if he did something against Hashem he should keep it private in other words if if he goes and he asks for forgiveness in front of everyone. Um, from somebody that he sinned against, that's considered an even greater, more noble way of making amends with that person. But if it was something between him and Hashem, it should be just between him and Hashem. Tanya says in the Bible, If a person sins one time, says Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda said, if a person sins one time, they forgive him. Second time, they forgive him. The third time, they will forgive him, but Raviit in Mochalino, but the fourth time they will not forgive him. Because it says for three sins, um I will it says for three sins of Israel, but for a fourth I will not return him. In other words, it means that I will not ignore the fourth violation. Okay? And it also says Fineemar and according to the Banam, it should said what Omer, It is also stated. That's a that's a pasuk from Pamaim Shaloshim Gaver is a pasuk from Yov. That uh, that all of this uh, Hashem will do two or three times with the person, meaning two or three times that He'll forgive him. But after that, not enough, no more. So the question is, why do you need two pesukim, right? So uh, and and it says. The Gemara is going to ask, "My Vilmer, why do you need two psukim to show you that three is the limit, and not four?" Because the first pasuk is only talking about the community as a whole, the Jewish people as a whole, that they have three opportunities, but by the fourth, they don't have any more forgiveness. But maybe an individual doesn't even have three. That's what, therefore you need That's what the pasuk has to tell you that even with an individual, he gets three times, and after the third time, by the fourth time, no more, uh, no more forgiving of that sin.
until he does, I guess, complete the Shuvah. He doesn't have any more chances. If a person already confessed sins last Yom Kippur, he doesn't have to do it again. This Yom Kippur, but if he, if he went back and did the sin again, then of course he has to say, again. However, if he didn't repeat the sin, but he goes back and he atones for he he uh, confesses it again, then it's like the pasuk says, like a dog that goes back and eats its own vomit. The fool repeats his folly. In other words, why are you going back to something that you put in your past? Forget about it. Don't mention it again. Rabbi Eliezer and Yaakov no. On the contrary, that's even better. That he goes back and he recites the sins that he has done before, even though he he, he corrected them. Because the Pesuk says, I know my sins and my mistakes are always in front of me. In other words, he shouldn't forget it. What does it mean that a person should not go back to their vomit? Meaning like a dog goes back to its vomit. Like Ravuna said, once a person has done a sin and he repeated it. In other words, he sinned twice. It becomes permitted to him. You really think that if a person does a sin twice, it becomes permitted? No. It becomes psychologically to him like something permitted. And as we mentioned in another shiur, it's saying that psychologically, the first time somebody does something, they feel guilty. But by the, after a second time, they've already broken down the barriers of the guilt and they'll continue doing it more easily from then on. And that's what the pasuk means. Uh, so it's an interesting thing because even among the Rishonim, there's a machlok at how we hold. Do we hold that a person should repeat the sins of the previous years or should not? The Rambam says that one should. Other Rishonim say that one should not because once it's over, it's over. Anyway, similarly, in order to do a proper vidu, a proper confession, you have to specify the sin. Uh, that you see from Moshe Rabbeinu, when he confessed the sin of the Egel Azahav for the Jewish people, he said, he specified the sin, that they've done something very bad, they made an Egel Azahav, they made a golden calf. Here we have to bring in the Pazuka, it says, happy is the person whose sin is forgiven and whose sin is covered, is hidden. Right? Meaning we shouldn't be specific about the sin. So then why did Moshe Rabbeinu mention the Elohezav? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu mention that what exactly they did? If really you're not supposed to mention exactly what they did. So the answer is, that was a special case. That all the gold and silver that you increased for Israel to the point that they said enough is enough and they didn't want it anymore. That's what actually, meaning that they had so much, they had so much gold and silver, all that that you gave them, that was what caused them to make the Egel Azahav. In other words, he was giving a limud zechut. He was in a way excusing or trying to mitigate how bad the sin of the golden calf was. He wasn't specifying it as part of the vidui, but as part of the uh, request for uh, for mercy. And that's why he mentioned it. But really, to specify this, normally we wouldn't do. And this is a very interesting thing, because again, we have a machlok at Rishonim, whether a vidui requires specification of the chet, or it's enough that the person knows what the sin was, did teshuvah for the particular sin, and just says a vidui in general for the sin that they committed to Hashem, that the chatat is enough. And again, you have a machlok with the Rambam being more stringent and saying that a person must specify the sin when he does a vidui for his teshuvah, for personal teshuvah, must specify the sin, 
and uh, that he that he has corrected. And according to other Rishonim, no, it's not necessary to be specific about the sin. It's enough to say that I sin before you, Hashem, and to know the details of that sin in your heart. That is sufficient for the teshuvah process to be completed.